Hello and welcome to the first official episode of season four of the Tax Chick Podcast. I am so excited that you decided to listen in. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Before I jump into information about today's guest, I have some exciting information to announce. My new website is officially up and running. This has been like my baby for 2023. There's a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of tears that went into creating this new website, and I really encourage you to check it out. It is www.thetaxchick.ca, and I have taken everything that used to be on my old blog site and on the podcast site and sort of sprinkled throughout the internet and put it in one location. So when you click on this website, All of my blog posts are now organized by topic, so you can easily go in and view all of the blog posts on estate planning or tax litigation or blog posts specific to business owners, blog posts on finance and investment issues. I also have the podcast roadmap um, on this website, so if you're new to the podcast and feeling a bit overwhelmed by the episodes and wondering where to start, I have created a roadmap that suggests, um, depending on what you're listening to the podcast for, where you should start and where you should end. And in addition, um, I decided to start including some information on my website about how you can uh, book me to speak at conferences and events. I do a lot of speaking, but I don't often talk about that. And I actually really, really love um, speaking at conferences. And so I've included some information on the the site about the topics that I I'm I usually talk about or I'm happy to talk about and a little bit of information on on how to book me. So that's all on the website. Please check it out, uh, send me your feedback. I will be discontinuing the old blog site um, in the next couple of months. And so if you're signed up for blog post updates, um, the way to now get updates with the new website is going to be um, if you sign up for my newsletter, I'll be pushing out new blog posts um, to my newsletter subscribers. And the link to register for my newsletter is in both the show notes as well as it'll be a pop-up for you when you sign on to the new website for the first time. I would love your feedback. Please feel free to reach out if you have any suggestions, ideas, um, thoughts on the new website. Um, I'm going to be continuing to tweak it throughout the year. In addition, as always, if you have suggestions for podcast episodes or guests, feel free to reach out at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. Happy to accept uh, those suggestions and try to build them into the program. So on to the purpose of today's episode, which is my amazing guest, uh, Shalini Darna. And Shalini and I connected over Instagram, actually, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, because she was a really fun accountant that I started following. Uh, Shalini makes tax fun. She makes accounting fun. She posts some awesome memes. Uh, She breaks things down in a really foundational way. And so she is speaking my language. And I was really excited to get her on the podcast today. And we realized that we're heading into the peak of tax season. And we all start panicking around this time of year because we realize we have to do something. We have to pay something or gather up some documents. And I find that we can get into a bit of a cycle where every year the same panic happens and we don't really fix it for the next year. And so the next year we're just as panicked as we were the first year. And wouldn't it be really cool if you just knew exactly what to gather and what to do and where to put stuff and, and, and how you should be approaching tax season? And so that's what Shalini and I are talking about today. We're going to talk about how to prepare for tax season. We're also going to talk about 
Well, what makes a tax return complicated? So if you're doing your own taxes, when is it time to think, hmm, maybe I should consult with someone uh, or maybe I should have my taxes done by someone? And as part of that discussion, we're also chatting about how to choose a professional. So what are the credentials that you might be looking for? What are some questions that you might want to ask to make sure that you're getting the most out of the uh, work that the advisor is doing for you? And then finally, we're finishing off with some big picture business considerations that are often missed uh, because there's such a flurry of activity at tax time. And just a reminder that, I mean, you can work on, on your business planning and your tax planning at any time of year. And in fact, you're much better off to do that proactive work during a time that's not tax season. Your advisor has way more time to have a discussion with you. And so Shalini gives some suggestions of how you can maybe reach out and questions that you might want to ask. She also has a brand new tax prep masterclass that just got released. And so we're putting information about that in the show notes. And Shalini talks a little bit about it. So who is Shalini? Um, If you're not following her on Instagram, you need to. I'll put her link in the show notes. But she describes herself as a doctor for your finances. So she wants to make sure you're being financially healthy in all financial areas of your finances, not just taxes. And she graduated from the University of Toronto. She has worked for Ernst & Young, BDO, and the Ministry of Education before joining her father in what is now called Darna CPA. Here she has found a passion for educating entrepreneurs on the do's and do nots of small business finances, especially when it comes to staying on CRA's nice list. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, on to the episode. So welcome, Shalini, to the podcast. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. And you said my name right. Yay! I'm really proud of myself. I wrote it down phonetically on my paper because I really think it's important to pronounce people's names right. I really like that feature on LinkedIn where now you can press the button and you can hear how someone's name sounds so that then you sound a little better before you get on a Zoom call with them. It's really nice to e-meet you, I was saying, because you and I have been following each other on Instagram for quite some time, and I really appreciate what you're putting out into the universe. And maybe this summer, if the stars align when I'm in Toronto, we can finally meet as humans face-to-face in person. But thanks for coming on today. I would love to meet you in person, and thank you for having me as a guest. Well, we were releasing this during what's going to be the beginning of, I guess, crazy pants season for accountants and tax preparation. And what we're recording this a little bit before we get into the crazy season, just so that we've got clear heads. But the purpose of today's today's episode is really to start talking about, okay, every year we have tax season. Every year we all do the same thing. There's always the scramble. There's always the panic. Um, We never know how to prepare, and we thought it might be kind of fun to do a quick episode that talks about things from, you know, your perspective as a practitioner and some tips and tricks that you can give people on, on sort of how to deal with tax season because it's coming whether or not we like it. So we thought we'd tackle how to prepare for tax season. Um, what makes taxes complicated, and when you might want to start looking to outsource your tax returns. And then also some business considerations that are often missed um, because in this panic of tax season, we're often doing triage and just trying to get done what we absolutely have to to meet our deadlines. Should Should we dive right in? Sure, let's get to it. So then let's start with the fun first topic of how to prepare for tax season. What are your thoughts on that? 
it, it always amazes me um, how complicated people make their own tax situation because in their head, they overcomplicate what they've done in the year. So first and foremost, when you are preparing for tax season, take out last year's file and, and start there. Whatever you had last year, you probably will have again in the current year. So if you worked for somebody, you're expecting like a T slip, a T4 slip. If you know you have investments and they've paid you throughout the year, you know you're going to get some sort of a T slip from that. Um, so you need to be aware of your own situation and do a little bit of self-advocating as well of, okay, I know I have my kid in childcare. Is that a deduction? Yes, no. Okay, if it's a yes, where's my slip? So having the processes in place year round is also helpful because then as you're incurring what you know is going to be a deduction at tax time, you can put it in a folder. I tell clients, go to the dollar store, get a cute little folder. And as you're getting those receipts, as you're getting those slips from your providers that you know will be something you need to give your accountant, put it in that folder. Some things you get year round, some things you're going to start getting in the mail in February and March. So you kind of need to know when you're expecting things as well, which can sometimes make people overwhelmed as well. Well, and I like your idea of gathering all year round because otherwise it's like March 15th or March 30th. And then you start doing the mad dash and who can remember what they got in six months ago? You know, I mean, even if you did a charitable donation in, you know, October of last year, well, where the heck did you put the slip? I mean, that's a long time to go back and kind of remember. And I know sometimes my clients are now doing them, you know, on their computer, like on the cloud, they're either scanning things in or they have a physical folder. I still have a physical folder too, because I'm still a, you know, I, I like paper. It makes me feel comfortable. But just throwing things in, even if you're not sure if you need it, but you think, oh, this might be helpful, just throw it in. You can you can weed through it at a later date. And I think that's a, a very important thing to remember. Exactly. And, you know, certain things like, you know, if you don't have benefits and you're paying for prescriptions, you know, those little slips, you're never going to find them later. But if you put them all in one little file folder, then at tax time, you can add up all your medical or if your kid has camps throughout the year on PD days, March break, summer camps, they're giving you those slips as soon as you pay for it. Just print in a folder or save in a electronic file called 2020 whatever tax crap and put it in that folder, right? Um, and that way you have that system year round and you will thank yourself at tax time. Well, and I've often said this both on the podcast and, and in my blog about just business ownership in general. And if you're running a business, don't leave your bookkeeping until the day before your year end. Try to try to either A, outsource it if you just can't bring yourself to do it, or B, you know, take 10 minutes, 20 minutes once a month, which is literally all it will take you if you actually do it monthly. I mean, I hate gathering my own stuff too, but I force myself to stop, you know, once a month, pull the bank receipts, kind of get everything in order so that when I have to send stuff to my bookkeeper, I'm not in a mad dash um, trying to find things. It's not even about doing it once a month, it, depending on the program you use. So for my clients, we use a program called HubDoc. 
um, and Dext, which used to be called Receipt Bank, is another popular one. So quite literally, when you get that Amazon invoice on in your inbox, your habit should just be to forward it to your Hubdoc email account. And so you're not even then filtering through your emails once a month. As soon as you get something that you know is a receipt, you're putting it in that, I call Hubdoc my electronic shoebox. It's in the shoebox. Then whether you put it into your accounting system yourself or outsource it, that you can do once a month. But at least you've gathered everything in a place that you can then keep yourself organized with. Absolutely. And I think you've stumbled across something that's very important, which is there are apps that are actually helpful that you can use to save yourself the pain. Because what I'm finding is hard these days is it used to be that everything was in paper. So we could literally get a shoebox and you could just have one going. You could throw it in and then once a month kind of sort it out. But then it became that some stuff is in paper, some stuff is coming by email, some stuff is, you know, otherwise just electronic. And so now you have this paper plus you have the electronic and then you have two different systems going. So there needs to be some way of of gathering all of this stuff in an easy to access location so that you're not tearing around your house. So it's it's great to hear about some of these options. And most of these options also have mobile versions, like mobile apps. So for example, Hubdoc has an app on your phone. You can take a picture of that paper receipt. You went to fill up gas. You take a picture of that gas receipt. Now it's in your online shoebox. Same with QuickBooks Online. It has that receipt function um, where you can take a picture of the receipt. Even if you're using like a Google Drive, you can take a picture and upload it directly into the Google Drive. And then it becomes... Where It doesn't become a shove that receipt into your bottom of your bag and I'll do it later. Literally sit in your car before you start the car, take that picture and then you're done. Well, and those darn gas receipts, they always have that ink on them that like disappears because as the tax lawyer on the back end of this, I'm usually seeing those receipts like six years later and then they go and they pull them out of a shoebox and I'm like, I, I can't read this. Like we can't even prove this because you can't see the ink anymore. All of them are reason to take the picture or scan it as it happens because uh, that ink fades. <laughs> Just make sure the picture is clear and not blurry. I've had that a couple of times where people are using their phone and they're trying to get the whole you know, long receipts on in the picture. I'm like, even if I zoom to the max, I cannot see what that number is. Yeah. Just make sure it's clear. No, that's, that's awesome advice. So, so if, if we kind of move past preparing for tax season, we we've started talking or you started touching on some things that people might describe as complications. So, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, well, my taxes are easy or my taxes are complicated. And how do you know when your taxes are complicated enough that it's time to maybe seek some professional advice? I would say if all you have, for example, is your employment, you know, you got your T4 from your employment, maybe you put some money in an RSP medical donation. That's what I call a basic tax return you're not complicated. Um, and a lot of people will confuse, oh, well, I quit that job, but then I started a different job. Even if it felt complicated to you in your life, you just have this, the, the one T-slip or maybe two T-slips, very simple situation. Where things get complicated are things where there's some judgment involved, where you might be able to claim it this way, or maybe we want to do it a different way. So for example, capital gains, there's an actual formula for how we calculate the capital gains. So we need to have a conversation. What is 
your adjusted cost base, what is fair market value. Um, and that makes your situation a bit more complicated. If you're a small business owner, what are you claiming? What's the criteria behind those claims? Is it actually an eligible expense? Rental properties, even though a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just renting a room in my house. In the eyes of CRA, you've now started a rental business. It's not just I've got some extra income coming from this room. You are a landlord and there are rules that you are now required to comply with. So those are the types of things that add a layer of complexity because people will often say to me, oh, I'm not making enough money to declare it. I'm sorry, but there's no minimum <laughs> dollar value before you report it on your taxes. Um, and that's where there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. But basically, in my professional opinion, if you have anything beyond just a basic T4 RSP medical donation, you probably have a little bit more of a complicated situation that at least warrants a conversation. I, I like that because I think I think sometimes people get very worried that, oh, well, I'm hiring a professional, so now it's like this thing. I've got them for the whole year. It's going to cost thousands of dollars, and that it doesn't have to be like that. Um, but it is very important to sometimes put that money out on the front end because if CRA comes back five, six years later and they start tracking what you're up to and you haven't been reporting the rental income in your home and you didn't properly declare the capital gain on the sale of shares, it's going to cost you a lot more on the back end <laughs> to fix that problem um, than it would have on the front end. So I've often said to business owners, you know, if you're trying to decide you have limited funds and you need to you need to get some professional advice, where do you go? Well, you need to have at least a consultation or a conversation with an accountant you probably want to have a touch base with a bookkeeper and you probably want to have a touch base with a lawyer. And it doesn't mean you have to have these people on retainer all the time, but you need to have some conversations to make sure you're setting up your systems right. And yes, it's an investment, but it's an investment that is so key for the success of your business. And I'd also want to add, you have to be very careful about what it is you're retaining them for. Some accountants, if all you're paying them for is to file your taxes, they will quite literally take whatever you give them, put it into the system without asking questions, without second guessing. And that is actually probably the case for the majority of accountants as well, myself included. If I'm just being retained and I'm not doing the bookkeeping, if you give me your numbers and it says 100,000, I'm putting in 100,000. Now, if you wanna ask questions, that might be an add-on service that we can do a consultation, we can discuss the intricacies of what went into those numbers. So you have to be very aware of what it is you're retaining them for and what you're expecting from the service. So curiosity is key. I've said that across the board on all things to do with tax and business. I think the takeaway from this is don't be afraid to ask the question. So don't assume because assumptions never go well. And, and this is the same thing if you're hiring a lawyer. I mean, if you're coming to me and you want me to document something versus you're coming to me and you want some advice on something, those are two different retainers or two different reasons why you're calling me. So don't hesitate if you're, if you're phoning up someone to hire them to ask, you know, what does this involve? Is there an opportunity for consultation? Here's specifically why I'm calling you because I don't know about X, Y, and Z. 
then you can make sure you get the options that are available to you that actually match what you're looking for instead of paying a bunch of money for something but not really ending up any further ahead because you still don't really know what's going on. Yes, your taxes have been filed, so yay, but we don't know if the right numbers have been used and we don't know if there's other things you should have been doing because you haven't done that consultation. Exactly, 100%. Do you have any advice for for people if they're looking to find an accountant or looking to find a bookkeeper? Because I feel like I get this question a lot. People go, well, how do, you, how do you find one? Do you have any suggestions? Well, I mean, in the day and age of Google and Facebook groups, getting referrals is always fantastic. I think it's easier now to find one because of Facebook groups and being able to just, you know, go into your local community group and say, anybody have a referral for? But vetting them, I think, is the more important question. So how do you vet the person that you are working for? Because, you know, I can have my friend go in every Facebook group and refer me doesn't mean I'm good at it. So what you want to look for is if, and I'm saying big if, credentials are important to you, do they have the credentials you are looking for? Unfortunately, in the world of bookkeeping and tax filing, it is unregulated. And people don't realize this. Anybody can go buy software and declare themselves a bookkeeper or a tax preparer. Even the word accountant is not regulated. I can go take a course at my local community and call myself an accountant. So what credentials, what education are you looking for? So within, for example, the bookkeeping world, you can become a certified professional bookkeeper. That's part of a regulated organization within the world of accountants. You can be a chartered professional accountant. I had to go through schooling and grueling education and give them a pint of my blood, sweat and tears to be able to get that designation. Right. So if that's important to you, do your research. Most of these associations also have a listing of active members. So you can actually search to say, is this person actually a Canadian accountant or then accountant from another country that is just operating here, for example. Are they a professional bookkeeper, a designated bookkeeper, or did they just go watch some YouTube videos on bookkeeping and are now calling themselves a bookkeeper? And you'd be amazed. There are people who do that um, and present themselves off as something that they're not exactly qualified for. So I'd say vetting them is your number one to do. Google reviews are great um, because it often shows that somebody has worked with that individual. Um, but if the credentials are important to you, do your own research for that. Well, and I think recognizing too that if the credentials are there, there's likely going to be a differential in cost. So it's like any person that you're hiring. If you hire the cheapest electrician, that may not be the best electrician. And so although cost has to be a factor, it shouldn't be the only factor. You want to look for credentials. You want to look for expertise. I think you also want to look for personality because I always said like I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm sure you, you've you said that as well, that there's just certain people you gel with more than others. And so I usually encourage people to pick up the phone or to take a peek at what's maybe posted on social media to see if there's a feeling about that person's personality and the way they're approaching files and if that matches what you're looking for in a professional. 100% could not agree more because especially in our world where you're looking for advice and you're looking for guidance, 
if you are not comfortable asking a question, if that person makes you feel stupid for asking a question, why are you wanting to work with that individual? Mm-hmm. And this is your numbers. This is your money. This is your hard earned money. If that person isn't going to answer you, your questions in a way that makes sense to you, well, what's the point then? I absolutely agree. I've said that before that if if somebody that you're working with, you know, tells you that's a stupid question or won't answer your question, find another professional because nobody should ever be saying that to you and uh you you deserve to know the answer. So I I appreciate you kind of reiterating that. That's that's some good tips because I'm sure we're heading into the time of year where people are now trying to make that decision of do I do it myself? Do I hire someone? And then how do I find someone and it kind of takes you down a bit of a rabbit hole. So Great, great tips. I I wonder if we should also just very briefly touch on before we kind of close off some maybe business considerations that are typically missed um, by business owners. Uh, This is my favorite one. And we could probably do an entire podcast on just this topic. Obviously, this time of year, if you are a sole proprietor, the one thing that you want to be talking with your accountant on is whether or not you should incorporate. Now, If an accountant tells you to incorporate without asking you some questions, please walk out the door right away. Um, It is not a one size fits all solution. There's an analysis to figure out whether it's the right fit for you. Um, The other thing to ask at this time of year from a business consideration is, are things eligible? You might be doing something and wondering, can I write this off? Ask the question, can I write this off? And sometimes it's even worth outside of tax season, and this goes back to that consultation, to do a consultation where you explain how you're operating because the same transaction when set up differently can sometimes have different tax consequences. And in the peak of tax season, I'm sorry, I've got all my clients have the same deadline. I might not be able to offer you as much listening time, but outside of tax season, I have a lot more flexibility. So let's have that conversation. What are your systems? What are you doing? How is that money being used? And is there a more tax efficient way of doing things? And oftentimes people are doing something in a way that makes sense to them, but triggers a different tax result than if we just shifted that mindset and did it a certain different way. So having that consultation, especially as a business owner, is really important. Well, and I've got a couple of podcast episodes on this whole issue of incorporation because I I like the way you've described it. It is really like a, you have to sit down and weigh the pros and cons and it's very fact specific. So if anyone is is kind of wondering about that, if you go back to, to season two of the podcast, I have two episodes, one with an actual business owner who did go and incorporate. So kind of from her perspective, what happened? And then the other one from the perspective of a CPA um, who kind of said, here's some of the tax consequences. Here's some of the thresholds. Here's some of the things we have to think about. So it'll maybe give you some food for thought before you go and, and reach out to your advisor on that topic. I, I like the idea of proactive planning. Uh, and I've said that before, I often suggest to people that once your taxes are done for the year and you've kind of like taken that deep breath and patted yourself on the back and you've paid your taxes, you've set up your installments, whatever it is you need to do, that's a great time to reflect on how tax season went and what questions that you have and maybe a great time to book that consultation call with your advisor to say, okay, now we've all taken a breather 
what can we do differently for next year or what should I be planning for during the year so that next year is not so stressful? So it's a your your advisors certainly have more time and headspace to have that conversation with you when it's not between, you know, March and April. Exactly. And, you know, the sad reality is everybody has the same tax deadlines. So, you know, being respectful of the fact that we are trying to give everybody our best during that crazy tax season. But after the fact, you know, if you felt that, hey, um, I'm paying a lot in taxes, what are some ideas? It might be a paid consultation, but if it saves you money in the long run, or if you felt like, you know what, I really felt scattered. Okay, let's have a conversation. What about the process made you feel scattered and what systems can we maybe change whether it's your your systems or the way that we work together. I'm a human being too. I'm not perfect. Maybe you didn't like a system or a form. Maybe we can have a conversation about how to, you know, better use the systems. Um, but always have, be willing to have a conversation of how to improve your situation or the process for the following year. And I guess maybe we should just sort of back up and just talk very briefly about deadlines. So, um, we've thrown out phrases like sole proprietorship and, and incorporation and, and business. And, and I mean, sole proprietorship is just, you're running a business yourself. It's, it's under your, you know, your own personal self. It doesn't mean it's run under your name. You might have a business name, but you're essentially reporting all of the income and dealing with all of the expenses for that business on your tax return. That's a sole proprietor in, in the grand scheme of things. And, so typically our deadlines that we're worried about, I saw this year we have till May 1st because April 30th is on a Sunday. I read, yay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the usual individual tax filing deadline. But then if you're a self-employed individual, your deadline is June 15th? June 15th. But if you owe CRA money, you still have to pay it by May 1st. So we got to remember when they say deadline, that's not the day you come to me with your papers. That's the day that we are... <laughs> paying CRA and clicking file. So the process is really, you have an initial call with me or with, sorry, with your accountant about what happened in the year. Let's talk about what may have changed and what new information you need to provide. Then you give it to your accountant. They process it. They should hopefully be reviewing it with you before sending you the papers to sign before they can click file. So this is not something that you can sit in the waiting room while they do it. Typically, there are places that do it that way. But a professional office will usually want you to drop off the papers, let them do what they need to do, and then set up a review meeting. You're not doing that all on May 1st or April 30th. You are making your payment by April 30th. Well, and I think also to remember that if you're going to do that filing June 15th and you're not planning to pay until June 15th, there's going to be some interest that's going to be accruing on that outstanding balance. So don't be shocked by that because the number that you see on the bottom of your tax return that needs to be paid is going to have some extra numbers on top of that to accord for the fact that you didn't pay on time. And a lot of people forget that. And that's one thing I've you know, bless CRA, I'm sure there was a logic behind giving sole proprietors till June 15th, but still wanting their payment by April 30th, because people get confused, because they don't understand the difference between clicking file and making the payment. And they are actually two different things in the eyes of CRA. And the logic is that if you're making more than 3000, you've probably made enough in installments that you've paid your bill, 
well before June 15th. But if there's a chance that you owe CRA money, I tell my clients, ignore June 15th, assume April 30th, and that way there's no unnecessary interest or penalties. I, I am with you 100%, 100%. Um, I, I heard from you here before we actually jumped on our recording that you have a new masterclass that you are dropping, which by the time this is released will be dropped. Can you talk to us a bit about the masterclass? Absolutely. So I work a lot with newer or brand new entrepreneurs, and they're always very overwhelmed with the whole tax prep process. And while I do offer one-on-one consultations, um, I just kind of got this idea that, you know, let me record some videos educating you on as a sole proprietor, what are you required to know as an individual? What, how does the tax system work? And so this tax prep masterclass is broken down into three modules. Who has to file taxes? How do you, you know, the, how does the tax system work? What are small business taxes and some CRA red flags and accountant considerations to talk about? Um, and so it is going to be launched in the next, hopefully week or so, just the final touches are being done and it's an on-demand recording, but then there's some freebies and bonuses that are going to be coming your way if you purchase this masterclass. And, you know, if I could force every entrepreneur to do a consult or watch this masterclass to make their lives easier, I would. <laughs> well, and I like that it's on demand because then you can you can watch it whenever it works best for you. If you are a new entrepreneur or if, or if you're, I mean, even if you're not a new entrepreneur, but you've been running your business for a while and kind of feeling like you don't really know what's going on, you're sort of just shoving papers um, at a professional once a year and not really sure what's happening you know, take control of that. I think taking control of your numbers is key to business success and finding ways to learn about your numbers um, in a way that's comfortable for you. And then being able to ask good questions when you get in to see your advisor, which you can do better if you understand some of the foundations. So we will put the link for the masterclass in the show notes, because by the time we release this episode, that masterclass will be up and running. So we'll, we'll add that to the show notes if anybody is interested. I think that sounds, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was, this was a really important topic. We'll have to have you back on maybe, and we can talk just specifically about some of these business considerations. Absolutely. Would love to. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, good luck as we head into crazy season. <laughs> Uh, please follow, uh, please follow, uh, Shalini on Instagram because she posts some really, really funny memes. I was saying that to you before we started. She really makes tax fun. She makes accounting fun. Um, so I'll post her link, um, for Instagram as well on the show notes and give her a follow. Uh, you'll learn something and you'll have some laughs too, which is always how I believe we should operate in our day when we're talking about taxes. So thank you so much. And I look forward to maybe meeting you in person this summer. Yes, let's definitely make that happen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you found our conversation to be helpful. And if you're interested in reading or learning more, I do encourage you to sign up for my newsletter and also to check out my new website, www.thetaxchick.ca. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question that you really want to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, 
thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.